All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, May 24th of 2023 here. Uh, we have a five-game MLB early slate already going on, followed by an eight-game main slate later this evening. There is a one NHL showdown tonight. We also have PGA teeing off tomorrow, and NBA will also return tomorrow. So should still be plenty to talk about here. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. It's a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. Questions come in uh, via support. You can reach us at support at sabersim.com. Questions come in live in the YouTube chat, and questions also come in in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord, there's a link in the description below to get joined up. Highly recommend it. As always, a lot of good conversation happening over there each and every day. And then you also get access to our similar see when Sims are running uh, for different games for uh, injury news, when lineups are released, etc. there. So big reason to be in the discord. But with that being said, going to get the app pulled up here um, really quickly before we hit these questions, a couple questions here in the, in the discord to get us started. If anybody has anything on their mind, now is always a good time to drop that in the chat and uh, uh, build up a queue of questions here. But but I was looking at the the slate um, slate options for today, right? You know, usually I come on here, you know, uh, see see what we got going on today. So with with no NBA, with just one NHL showdown, uh, really leaves just MLB here, right? Uh, but but something that I think that we don't probably talk about enough here is, you know, in relation to the DFS profit plan, um, if if you play specifically on DraftKings here, th- there are four MLB Classic slates, and there are four. MLB showdown slates here. Um, this this is a lot. Th- these are a lot of slates, and I think that a mistake that people make sometimes is they they have a certain bankroll allocation that they want to play, and they play the main slate. They play all the contests, you know, under three dollars, and then they go, okay, you know, I still have some money left. Uh, what should I play, right? And then from there they go, okay, well, you know, I I might as well put some. Um, Put, put some entries into this higher dollar contest over three dollars. Uh, you know, maybe play like the the forty dollar single entry because you want to get some money in your diversifiers. I would really, really suggest branching out and and looking at some of these other slates. And instead of you know going up and down the lobby in, in the main slate only, uh, branch out and go sideways and go hit all the three dollar contests under three dollar contests for the early slate. All the three dollar contests under $3 for the turbo, all the under $3 for the night slate. And then the showdowns are the same here. Um, I, I did this math back in NBA season. I, I haven't done this for MLB, but what I found is that if I maxed out all of the contests under $3 for the NBA DraftKings lobby only, I could get down $1,000 to $1,500 a night just in these contests because they offer so many across all the showdowns, all the classic slates. Um, so it is it is uh, a good strategy because we are continuing to take advantage of the contests that the best players do not have access to, that uh, sharp players can't even see in the lobby. And, you know, contest selection is the most important thing in DFS here. Um, so if you could find 
uh, those contests. If you have access to those contests, I would highly recommend, you know, when you get to a certain point with your bankroll allocation in the main slates, uh, have, have extra entries that you want to enter branch out and, and don't go up and down the lobby. I think that's a mistake that I made, uh, early in, in my DFS career and, uh, something that I wish I would have done. So I hope that finds some users here who could use that advice. I would highly recommend taking it, but, uh, just, just a small thing there. Uh, we are going to jump over and start with questions that came in uh, via Office Hours channel in Discord here. So first question came in from Bill's Nut. Question says, I am trying to simplify my post-build process. Is there any general maximum leverage target for pitchers and batters if I want to take a medium level of risk? In other words... When I when should I try to reduce positive leverage on a player when it is very high, or should I just leave it at what SaberSim gives me? When I cap exposures and leverage, I get lower ranked lineups. Obviously, what is the best balance I should be seeking in terms of overall lineup rank, exposures, and leverage? Uh, so this is a really good question. Um, looks like there was a little clarification here between Kevlar. And and Bill's nut, I did read through this, so I'm I'm pretty up to speed with uh, what what this question is specifically trying to ask here. I think it's a really good question, and I'm just gonna run a build here. Uh, we're gonna run a build for the main slate for tonight, uh, just to have something to work with here, right? And where where I would say that you are going to get some. I mean, I'm, I'm going to use some heuristics like to answer this question, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So so take it with a grain of salt. You know, this does not apply to everybody. I'm going to assume what medium level risk here means, right, a little bit. Uh, so so let's get in the post build. Let's talk about this. So, so as soon as this build loads here, um, you know, this is an interesting, this is something interesting I don't think I've talked about. As soon as a build loads, with no changes to min unique stack types, exposures, anything here, I would say that this is this is the riskiest your lineup portfolio is ever going to be. And any adjustments you make from this point are probably going to lower the risk because everything you do is going to probably be in in a way trying to spread out some of your exposure spread out some of of so, like like uh Muncie is in 17 out of 20 lineups right so let's let's say you're playing a four dollar 20 max uh you know you you are betting in in dollars um what is that 68 dollars like like on Muncie he's, he's in 85 percent of your portfolio here uh, that that's high risk, especially for a hitter, right? Especially for all these hitters, we have three Dodger hitters over eighty percent. Um, that's a lot of risk, right? So what what I would say is, as soon as the build loads, you know, this is probably like max risk here, and then anything you do from this point on um, should be to to in a way lower some of that risk, right? So you say your medium risk, I think that's great. Um, what what I I feel like I'm kind of a medium risk player too. I think I think that's like a fair assumption here. Um, you know what is medium risk, right? That's that's kind of relative uh, to to what you assume it to be. But for me, uh, the, the way I'm kind of judging that is, 
you know, I like to have some uniques. I don't like to have too many, right? Um, I know Jordan talks about this approach that he takes where he basically maxes out min uniques and then sets it to one less than the max. I would, I would call that, you know, a, a more conservative than, than medium risk, right? That's, that's a little more, um, more spread out, a little more safer, right? I'm trying to get some diversity. I don't want too much diversity. I'm okay. Still taking stands here. Right. So sounds like we, we might be, um, from, from the same line of risk management here. I, I would say whatever I say in this segment, um, try and adapt it for, for how you feel, what kind of player you are, you know, I'm going to make assumptions here and, and talk about my own perspective. Cause that's the only perspective that I can talk about. Uh, listen to the things I say. If I say something that doesn't align perfectly with how you think about it or how you feel, uh, just, just take that concept and try and adapt it for the type of player you are. There's no, you know, this is the only right way to do it. And this is the only wrong. And, and if you do it this other way, then you're wrong. There's, there's none of that going on here. Right. So um, for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a medium risk player. I like to have some diversity. Um, not, not, not a, I'm not trying to, you know, max it out or anything like that. I'm okay taking some big stands here. Um, I think that, you know, min uniques is going to be the first way to do it here. As, as far as batters, you know, I, I really try and look at batters um, on a team level, really. I think that's why it's it's important to have some estimation of stack ownership here. So when, when I come in here, um, I think another important thing is that, you know, you should try and use – I, I think it's a good thing to try and use stack pool exposure or just pool exposure in general here to kind of guide you and and let that tell you how good of a play a team is here. So we're getting 60% Dodgers. They're showing up in 31% of our pool here. Um, we have some other teams that are that are fairly close to them, right? We have Miami, we have San Diego. I don't know what the ownerships work out to be here. So um, my my guess is looking at the home screen here, you know, these Dodgers hitters are all about 5% owned. I know Miami is in Colorado, so this feels like a leverage play. Um, but, but maybe you want to walk this back a little bit, right? Maybe 2x leverage on the Dodgers is too much for you. Maybe you're okay with that. Uh, I can't really answer that for you. Um, if this was me, I'd be fine with this on a team level. I don't know if I'd be fine with this on a player level here. Um, I I don't want to use Freddie Freeman in 10 out of my 12 Dodger stacks. You know, he's he's one hitter in a lineup of nine hitters. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that, that this just might be too much individual risk to any one hitter for me, right? Um, all these guys are about 20% pool have about 20% pool exposure using them over 45%. So I'm always okay with like two to three X leverage here. I, I would say that I'm more comfortable with the high end of that on the three X side for, for pitchers who are more normally distributed and maybe closer to two X for some of these hitters who are super high variance. Right. So, so for me, I'm okay playing the Dodgers stacks, but I do want to lower my individual uh, Dodger exposure here, Dodger player exposure here to, to something maybe closer to 2x the pool exposure. So I think that, you know, the, the pool exposure in general here is like probably a good landmark for you, especially if this is higher than the player's ownership. So I'm, I'm usually looking at pool exposure or ownership to kind of figure out where I want to be, right? And then if I go over to my pitchers, um, 
you know, we're getting 40% walled Chuck here. He's 4% owned, so this is like 10x leverage on ownership. But he's in 16% of our pool lineup, so showing up quite often. Uh, this is about 2.5x leverage uh, to his pool exposure. I, 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 if if I was taking this build with me into my lineups, I wouldn't adjust this. I, I'd be fine with it. Uh, I'm okay leaving it. So I think you know somewhere in that two to three x range is is okay for for like a medium risk player. It's what I find comfortable myself here. And treating pitchers and batters a little differently, treating uh, individual stacks a little differently here. But you kind of got to figure out uh, what exposure levels feel comfortable to you. I think I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Um, at, at any point, if you're basically at the end of your process, getting ready to fill your entries and submit these, if you do not feel comfortable with any exposures or you feel like, um, you know, there's just too much risk, it, it's it's leaving you with a bad taste in your mouth, uh, you know, heavy gut, uh, things like that, like you should go back in there and, and make a further adjustment regardless of how the slate plays out, you know, process over results here. Like, Hey, um, I'm comfortable with the lineups that I'm submitting regardless of what happens. I think that's an important thing that you should be able to say before the slate locks after submitting your lineups. Like, Hey, you know, I like this set of lineups. I think it has a good shot of taking down contests, whatever happens from here happens from here, but I'm comfortable with this. And if you can't say that, you know, you should go back and further adjust. So uh, some some really like general guidelines there, um, you know, try and ask yourself those type of similar questions and see if you can figure out uh, what the right decision is for you as a player. But but really good question there. All right. Uh, next question here from Teddy G. This is a good one. I don't think we talked too much about. Uh, Teddy G said, how does one go about figuring out what weights to use when creating custom metrics. Uh, so this is a really good question. I'm going to talk about this from an NBA showdown perspective here. Um, I think I think that this specific perspective is, is pretty interesting. Um, part of it is going to come down to trial and error. Like you are going to have to build lineups, you know, build custom metrics and those lineups that you're seeing are going to have to pass the high test for you, right? Like are the lineups I'm seeing, um, do they look like the type of lineups that I envisioned playing that I'm comfortable playing or do they look, you know, out in left field, like a really low chance of winning. Right. I think, I think that's part of it. Um, so there's definitely going to be some trial and error. I think another good thing that you can do is, is use some of these formulas as a baseline or as a marker and, um, figure out, you know, if, if these metrics can ultimately, um, help guide you here. Right. I think the third most important thing is you have to understand the impact of each of these numbers here. Right. So the reason in our single game formula that sim optimals is weighted so highly, it, it's 100 times sim optimals. And then it's plus 0.8 times some projection plus negative 0.2 times average adjusted ownership. That is because sim optimals as a raw number is, is, is actually really small compared to some projection and average adjusted ownership, right? So our, our some projection here in this top lineup is 203, right? Um, if, if we're looking at a lineup that is sim optimals three, 
we we have to multiply this by a large number so that it can compete in the formula with projected score and with average adjusted ownership. I don't know what the average adjusted ownership of these uh, lineups is, but I'm just going to use some ownership as a uh, caveat here. So projected score is 205. Some ownership is 210. You know, if we want sim optimals to have any impact on this formula at sim optimals three, we, we, we almost have to multiply it by a hundred to make that 300 plus 205 uh, plus n- the negative weight of, of our, our ownership in this formula here. Right. So understand whatever, whatever um, variables that you're using, understand how, how uh, big they are relative to the other variables in your formula. And then from there, you can adapt that to figure out what the correct weights should be. So, so in order to know, you know, what the right weights are to use, you kind of have to know, okay, well, um, what, what number am I, am I pulling from? What var- how big is the variable that I'm using, right? So the, the bigger the variable, I would say the smaller the weight you need, and then the smaller the variable, the bigger weight you'll need. So have to figure out, you know, how much each of these things matters to you. Then you could figure out what a good relative idea is for the weight and and how big of an impact that will have here. So that is uh, what I would suggest if you're interested in messing around with some custom metrics here and, and, and I'm trying to go from there. But really good question, Teddy. All right, jumping over to the YouTube chat, uh, have two questions here from Noah and then no more questions. So if anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get those in. All right, Noah said, does Min Uniques mean the same thing for an NBA showdown slate that it does for a full MLB slate? So yes, it does. Okay, hold on, second part. It says, as in, does it make sense to do mini uniques for a 20 max in NBA showdown or just have the sims run as normal? Uh, so, so good question here. So yes, it means the same thing as far as, you know, if this is set to two, what it's going to do is it's going to make sure that two players, at least two players are different from every other lineup that you are seeing here. Um, so that impact is indeed the same. I think it's important to note that, you know, there are less players in this NBA showdown lineup overall. So you should understand that, you know, you're never going to get to as high of a mini unique number as you would in an MLB classic, right? MLB classic has nine or 10 players and this has six, right? So um, if, if we just say we had nine players, right? Uh, three mini uniques, uh, three out of nine is one third. So in this lineup, two mini uniques, would be two out of six. So that would be one third. So the, the impact of two mini uniques in this lineup is the same relative impact as three mini uniques in a nine person uh, full lineup here. Like if that was what, how many players were in your classic slate lineup. Um, so in showdown in general, you're going to get to less mini uniques. I think you should be okay with that outcome here. Um, I'm not against using mini uniques. For showdown, I think that, you know, the only place that I try to tell people to tread with caution here is that, you know, in showdown, we are hunting for the optimal. The optimal lineup is more often than not going to win. So in in a six-person lineup, the optimal could be a one-for-one swap, right? Instead of having um, Caleb Martin, you could have 
you know, Grant Williams or, or Malcolm Brogdon or, or somebody else in this place. Right. And if, if you are guaranteeing that at least two players must be different in every single lineup, if the optimal is a one for one swap off of the lineup that you have here, you're essentially blocking yourself from ever getting to that lineup. Um, but the reason that I'm not opposed to it is that we've increased many uniques to two here. And we've gone from our bottom lineup being lineup 20 to our bottom lineup being lineup 21. So we've actually only excluded one lineup, which looks like to be lineup 11 here from our um, set of 20 lineups. And, and we're now guaranteeing at least two players different. So I, I like to figure out, you know, if I do increase my mini uniques, how far down in my pool do I have to go to get to, um, that number of lineups. And even here at many uniques of three, I'm getting to line up 49 is my bottom lineup, which is all in the top 10% of my pool. So it is a way to spread out. It is a way to, um, you know, guarantee some diversity, give yourself some options here. I would just be careful, you know, uh, going too far with it. You know, once we increase it to four here, we, we actually run out of lineups and there's only 16 out of 20 lineups in our set of 500 here that have that many players different. So can't really go above three in this specific example. Um, but I would say just, just tread lightly, see the impact that it has on your lineups. Right. Um, I think another thing that can happen is that if you increase it too high, you might start getting um, to some captains that, that, that um, may, maybe are not the best play in general here. I don't think we're seeing anything particularly like that in this example. Um, I think I'm pretty okay with everybody that we're seeing. So just tread lightly, you know, spot check your lineups, spot check your exposures if you want to play that way, but I don't see anything wrong with playing that way ultimately here. All right, everybody. Uh, looks like we're all caught up with questions. Uh, no question from support. Where it looks like we're caught up with questions in the Office Hours channel, and then we just hit Noah's questions here in the YouTube chat. So uh, before we get out of here, uh, going to give everybody a couple last minutes here to get in some last questions before the show ends. But in the meantime, if you guys are not playing over on Owner's Box, I highly recommend taking advantage of it. The contest continue not to fill. The contest continue to have overlay or be rake-free here. The contests are generally softer than what you are going to find on DraftKings, Yahoo, and FanDuel. Um, also, if you sign up with code Saber or SaberSim, you can get a $500 deposit bonus, and we will track your entry fees, and you can earn free SaberSim credit for our standard plan, pro plan, or monthly, or, or our prop plan here. There is no limit to the amount of credit that you can earn. So once you hit one of these thresholds, cash in on that credit. We will reset your tracking to zero. And then once you hit that threshold again, we will continue to add months onto your plan here. So take advantage of it. Uh, not an opportunity that you find every day in 2023 DFS with these contests consistently not filling here. So highly recommend it as always. But... All right, everybody, uh, we'll be right back here tomorrow for our Thursday show. If you guys are building lineups throughout the day, question pops in your head, drop it in the Office Hours channel. Gives us a steady queue of questions to get started with at the beginning of the show as people roll in, as you guys get those DFS juices flowing and questions start coming in. So uh, really appreciate the questions ahead of time. But until tomorrow, good luck in all of your contests. Take care. I will see you guys. Thanks. Bye.